0: Good evening. Thank you so much. Whoa. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Let me just check in. Okay. I'm going to continue in my series, God's Formulas for a Better Life. And I know each of us want a better life. doesn't matter how good we have it or how bad we have it, God wants us to have a better life. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you right now. You really need a better life. Well, this may seem like a challenging sermon. It's titled, Exalting Righteous Living. Another word for righteous is the right way of living. We know already there's a right way and there's a wrong way, but we have to discover God's right way of living, so that's part of his formula, so we can have a good life. And a good life comes from God, not from what we think is a good life, A good life comes from the Lord. So looking at Proverbs 16, verses 1 through 4, I'm reading this out of the Living Bible. It says, we can make our plans, but the final outcome is in God's hands. Thank you. That's exactly the entire sermon. Right there. We can make our plans, but the final outcome is in God's hands. We can always prove that we are right, with what we choose to do. But is God convinced? Commit your work to the Lord, then it will succeed. And the Lord has made everything for his own purposes, even the wicked for punishment. That may seem like a harsh thing, but I'll explain that it doesn't mean he makes people wicked. What he has set up for justice and for righteousness is different. Those that choose God's way have salvation, those that don't choose God's way don't have salvation. So again, I'm gonna read the very point I want you to recognize tonight, because this isn't gonna be deep or boring, but I don't want you to travel with your mind somewhere else. I want you to stay on track with me, and here's what I'm talking about. We can make our plans, but the final outcome is in God's hands. So you're planning to get married, planning to go to another state, planning to go somewhere else to do something, Uh, you're planning what you want to do, you're planning to make a major purchase, but when you do that, how it turns out is dependent upon God, not us. A person may make plans, placing things in order in his heart, but God guides what comes out of the man's words, the reply of the tongue, and the Lord judges people on the basis of why they're doing what they're planning to do. Proverbs 17.3 says that the crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Proverbs 21.2 says, all a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. So you think of balances. God weighs our heart because we may choose to do some, and, and this was challenging not to understand, but to help people understand We can make our plans, but how it's going to turn out is up to God, and so when you're telling everybody, hey, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, God will determine what comes out of your mouth, and I'll show you in a few minutes, even if it's all positive mental attitude, even if you checked with all your friends, even if you checked everything but didn't check with the Lord, it may not turn out the way you want it to, That can make us get like this. Well, you know what? I'm not going to church any longer. I'm not going to serve God. We get angry with God. It doesn't bother God if you get angry at him. Have any of you ever seen ants on a little anthill and kicked it or stepped on it? And though they're scurrying and they're mad, does that affect you in any way? Okay, so when you get angry with God, it doesn't bother God. It doesn't. Not that any of you ever get angry with God, but you must have family that does. (laughs) Now, God sees in secret. You know, the Bible says the darkness and the light is alike unto him. There is no darkness where God is concerned. When we do things in the dark, God already sees what we're doing as if it was in the light. So this statement then, God sees in secret. Because he sees what's in your heart, and God in his sovereignty prevails over man, and one's heart, one's speech are closely related. Last week I told you that the heart is like a well, and the tongue is like a bucket, so what you pull out of your heart will come to your mouth. So let's see where we're going. Listen to this. I've told you before, I will say it again, this is God's world. Go ahead, give him a hand of praise. And what that means is, you can't just do whatever you want. If you don't like the way God's running the world, then go live somewhere else. Or leave the world. This is his world. We're breathing his air, we're drinking his water. He's in control of everything. And so when you do something, remember, You're doing it in his world, on his property, and you're going to be held accountable for that. He determines what happens and when it will take place. He's in control of everything. Everyone say everything. 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 He's in control of everything. Everything. And this is what is meant by the word Lord. Lord. It is therefore beneficial for us to consider him and include him in what we're intending to do. Run your plans by him. Run what you're choosing to do, run it by him. Find out from his word, is this pleasing to you? You can be as positive as you want with your words, but positive mental attitude does not override God's sovereignty. You can have all your ducks in a row But as you and I realize, we do not control nature. Anybody tried? No, if you think you're bad, fill your tub with water tonight, take off your socks and your shoes, and then see if you can walk on the water. If you can, call me, I wanna come over and see it. We don't control nature, we don't control the weather, We don't control the economy, and we don't control people's moods. Have you realized that by now? You don't control it. Proverbs 16, this chapter that I'm reading from, is motivating us to be submissive to the Lord Jesus and to include him in everything that we do. It would be a good idea to start doing that. Include him. Include him if, God, go with me tonight. I'm going to go partying, and we'll see how you party. (laughs) (laughs) Some of us have learned this the hard way, but our sufficiency comes from God. Experience is a hard teacher. She gives the test first and the lesson afterward. Experience is a hard teacher. She gives the test first and the lesson afterward. So when you say, man, I'll never do that again, why? It hurt too much. That's why pain is a good teacher. And sometimes God has to use pain to bring us back in line to what we should be doing. Okay. Here's the second point. We can always prove that we're right, but have you convinced the Lord? A person may think nothing is wrong with what he does. Outwardly, it may seem innocent. But God knows your heart. Whether the motives behind your actions are pure or not, the Lord judges people on the basis of why they act because he's looking at your heart, not what you're doing. So when you're nice to that girl that just moved in across the street, God knows why you're being nice to her. You see where I'm going here? Or the new guy that just got hired, I'll help you, I'll help you, I'll help you. God sees what you're doing. He looks at your motive. To us, when we see another's actions, we determine that they're good or that they're bad. But the reality is we only see what they want us to see. You don't ever have all the facts. But I saw it. I saw it on the news. I saw it on my camera. No, you saw only what your camera showed. What people tell you is not really the truth, and it's not really the facts. It's what they want you to know. So when it comes to God, you can't impress him. You can't prove something to him. He's already looked at your heart. He knows why you're doing. So the issue is not what you're doing, that's up to you. It's why, why are you doing that? So uh, we're not even aware of what they did or what they said when people try to give us all the facts. So who is? God's aware. God knows what they did. God knows what they said. He doesn't look at the action. God looks at the motive. Now, someone in your life may try to be God. Or it could be a person's husband or wife. Well, babes, guess what I did? And then watch this. Why did you do that? Uh, I didn't really think about that. Well, God knows why you did it. Now, to bring you down to where I'm at, how many you have learned what I'm teaching you the hard way? So have I. God knew all along. And I heard him. I heard him as clear as I'm talking to you right now. Don't do that. He doesn't yell. He whispers. Don't do that. It'll be all right. And we do it with a smile. And then, you know, all the feelings that come after that. The Lord knows people's hearts. And he knows why and understands why they desire what they do. If God overrides your plans, it's because he knows what's driving those plans. The more a person fears the Lord, the more his or her plans will be in accordance with the will of God. I say again, check in with the Lord. Run that plan by God. Do you want to hire somebody for your business? Run it by God. You want to marry someone? Run it by God. You want to quit your job? Run it by God. You want to do something really really nice for someone? Run it by God. Well pastor, is there anything wrong with that? Pastor doesn't know, you know. And you know that God knows. When I pray, I say, God, I just want to let you know that I know that you already know. (laughs) There's nothing that I can tell you. When we pray, you don't have to give him details, although he doesn't mind if you do, and many of us do that, but he already knows. It's amazing to me, and I can't explain it. He knows the past. He knows the present. And he knows the future. To him, it's all one day. It's all one moment. He sees the whole thing, past, present, and future. We're like people looking at a parade through a knothole in the fence. And one float's going by at a time, and we think we're seeing the whole parade. God sees the beginning of the parade, and he sees the end of the parade. He sees the first float. He sees the last float. Who understands what I'm saying? Or maybe to put it in, in, in... let's say you go to a car show and then and all the lowriders are going down the street he already sees the first car and the last car more of you understand that better than a parade right he knows the first firework he knows the last firework he knows everything he knows everything about you he knows why you choose to do what you do he just knows and all he's saying is check in with me tell me what you're doing Because it's better that you do that than that. You go ahead and spend all that money, spend all that time, and then it doesn't work out. And he's the one that's not letting it work out because it's wrong. That doesn't bother him. So what is a motive? A motive is the underlying reason for any action. Did you catch that? A motive is the underlying reason for any action. Excuse me, here we go. Because the human heart is very deceitful, the Bible says that in Jeremiah 17 9. We can easily fool ourselves about our own motives. We can pretend that we're choosing certain actions for God and the benefit of others, when in reality, we have selfish reasons. God is not fooled by our selfishness, and he's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So when I said it's his world, he created you, so he owns you, and he knows the heart. And last week I said, did not God make the ear? Don't you think he hears what you're listening to? Did not God make the eyes? Don't you think he sees what you're looking at? Who by now is recognizing, I'm gonna quit trying to get around that, I'm gonna tell God everything. See, there's no sense trying to run it by him, you know, like, uh, hey, how's it going? Hey, you know what, bro, let me me, me run down to you, bro. You still haven't said anything. And you don't have to do that with God because God knows everything, and none of us are gonna have that opportunity when we get to heaven. Did you do good or bad? Well, you know, uh, the bottom line is what, what I'm really saying is to the end of the day, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> Go. <laughs> the man or woman of God should evaluate their motives and their conduct against God's revealed standards and not absolutize his or own estimation of them. To abs- absolutize means to make something absolute. I know I'm right. How do you know? You don't control anything, God does. So why are you doing what you're doing? So another way of getting across to you is, do you wanna succeed or do you wanna fail? And you are supposed to succeed because you are a child of God. You know as well as I through experience when we have sinned, me too, we did things like Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. There is no my way, you know, either my way or the highway, forget all that noise. It's God's way. It's gotta be done God's way. Whether you want something and your wife said no and you and her got in a big old argument and then you go in and apologize and you think she's gonna say, okay, go ahead and get it. But God knows why you're apologizing. Are you really sorry or you still want that thing? And God is not restricting you. But you know, I don't know what kind of work you do, but there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do things. And if you don't do it right, it's not going to turn out right. So even when you're talking to somebody, this is why God said, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Anything more than that is sin. How many of you have said this? Yeah, yeah, no. (laughs) How many of you have said, no, no, yeah, yeah. You're going, well, yeah, yeah, no. It's either yes or no. But when you add to your yes, something's wrong. It's either yes or no. Do you love me? What do you mean? (laughs) Are you a Christian? What's that supposed to mean? it's either yes or no. Say yes. yes. That's it. Don't add anything to it. Say no. No. But our society doesn't understand no. Can you do this? No. Well, what about if I give you this? No, I said no. Well, what about if I call earlier to remind you? It's still no. Our culture doesn't understand the word no, and no is the same in every language. What's the word no in Spanish? No. See? <laughs> the only one different is in German, nein. <laughs> but yes or no. And I've had to learn to live that way. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. So if can you pick me up? And if you say yes, how can you call him back and say, hey, you know what? Something came up. I can't make it. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Why? He's listening to you. He heard what you said. It's like you go to court and you get on the witness stand and you lie. He heard what you said. And he's weighing it. He's looking at your motives. Maybe somebody paid you off to not tell the truth. But God sees what you're doing. And he says that that money will be like sand or water going right through your fingers. So, the man or woman of God should evaluate their motives and conduct against God's revealed standards and not try to make what you plan to do absolute, because it's not. Nevertheless, since a final verdict as to one's purity belongs to the Lord, not the doer, the disciple must not praise himself or decide his reward beforehand. How many have planned to do something, did it, and it didn't turn out right? Remember how you felt when you did that? Well, that's happened to this guy too. When I plan to do some, like if you go, you plan to go to Disneyland, you plan to take your family, you get there and it rains for both days that you're there. You can't control that. That's not your fault, but you planned it. You plan on going out to dinner and for some reason your food didn't taste good that night. You re- learned to realize Lord, I should just trust you with everything. Even when you get home tonight, the Bible says it's vain for you to sit up late, rise up early, or stay up all night worrying because he gives his beloved sleep. You don't need melatonin. (laughs) You don't need all these other sleeping aids. Go to God and say, please give me rest tonight because he says, you don't, we both don't need to be up. You go to sleep. I'm in control of my world. Go ahead and rest. <clears throat> the best thing we can do is commit all that we do to the Lord and depend God to make his motives and ways, are, and that we can be dependent upon to make our motives and ways pleasing to the Lord. Moreover, if a person cannot judge his own motives, how much then should you be judging someone else? Look at this statement. May I never seek what is best for me. Wow. Rather, may I seek what is best for you, for others and for your kingdom, amen. Why does the Bible say, esteem others as better than yourself? That's not that easy to do, but it is something we should learn to do. There should actually be less of us and more of God that people see in our lives, less of us. People shouldn't have to ask us, hey, um, are you a Christian? They should come up and say, "Um, you're a Christian, aren't you? Let your yes be yes and your no be no, don't say, Why, what do you want to know that for? Don't say, yeah, you got a problem with that? (laughs) Just say, yes. This would seem that this is the formula to success. However, we need to understand the way the words are translated from the Hebrew to how we think in English. Where the scripture says, commit your ways unto the Lord and your plans will succeed. Watch this. What if a man plans on leaving his wife and having an affair with another man's wife? Commit your plans unto the Lord and your plans will succeed. Can he use this verse as the key to his plan succeeding? Give me the answer. No. Very good. No, you can't. So you can't take scripture and twist it to make it work for you because that's what scripture says right there in 16.3. Commit your ways to the Lord. Whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Well, I plan on leaving my wife going with this other man's wife. That's not what you do with scripture. Before you put your plan into action, here's the third time I'm saying this. Roll it over to God and he will then correct your thinking and make it so that your plans turn out for your benefit. In other words, God, is there anything I should be doing different? Is there anything you can help me with with what I wanna do? This is what I wanna do, but what should I be doing? Even when it comes to ministry, people have told me, I'm I'm gonna move to this state and we're gonna start a business And at first we're gonna be working seven days a week and I go, no, the scripture says that the seventh day is a Sabbath, you should rest. Yeah, but we got taxes to pay. You're not gonna succeed in that venture. Anything you plan to do. Now here's the gist of this sermon. I don't know, there's no way I could, what some of you were planning to do. I have no idea. Now, if you came and told me, maybe I would say, man, that's a great idea. But then I would say, why don't we pray right now, and let's run it by God and see what he says. What if you're not used to that? Now, I already did all the research, Pastor. I went to Google instead of the Lord, and I found everything I needed. (laughs) You're getting my point. All plans and actions stem from thoughts that we had. Before something is made, the artist or mechanic or engineer sees his idea twice. First, he sees it in his mind, then he sees it on paper. It then becomes a reality. Include or involve the Lord in the thought process. This will save you a vast amount of time of which you have very little compared to when you were a lot younger. Today, we don't have a huge amount of time remaining so don't waste it on what you have outstanding. You don't know how much time you have left. Get the Lord involved and your idea will affect you positively in eternity. And eternity is where all of us are going to wind up. We are. Do you know that you, as if you're a Christian, you will not stand at the judgment seat of God. Your sins have been forgiven. Past present and future. But there is another judgment for all of us. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Everything we have done, we have done since we became a Christian would either be wood, hay and stubble Gold, silver, or precious stones, everything. And everything we've done, when we stand individually, not with all of us as a group, before God, everything that we have done, and He already knows it, will go before him, and Hebrews tells us that our God is a consuming fire. What does fire do to wood, hay, and stubble? I, I didn't hear you, I, I'm getting old, I can't hear Thank you. It burns it up. What's left? Ashes. What does fire do to gold, silver, and precious stones? Purifies them. What's left is what you and I will pick up and say, here's how I live my life for you, Lord. And there's no other alternative. You can't, oh, man, when I get up there, I've got to do this. (laughs) That's what's left. You give it. Now, if you offer unto God ashes, the Bible says you shall be saved. See my head? But yet so as by fire, because God's merciful. If it's gold, silver, and precious stones, that's what you'll cast at his feet, all of us. Then you'll receive, if it's gold, silver, and precious stones, you will get rewards, and those rewards will be crowns. If it's ashes, you don't get a crown, but you get back in line. And then when Jesus stands on his throne, all of us will take our crowns and cast them at his feet and say, you alone are worthy. You alone are Lord. You are the only one that should be receiving these crowns. The sad thing is, you're still gonna get into heaven, but you may not have anything to offer to God. And everyone will see it, and the Lord already knows, because you didn't commit your plans to him. I did it my way. I didn't think about him. It's what my flesh wanted. It's what my mind concocted. It's what I chose to do. And that's our human nature. Psalm 90, Verse 12 says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our heart unto wisdom. And the Bible says this, if you don't make the time to work on creating the life you want, you're eventually going to be forced to spend a lot of time dealing with a life that you don't want. And that would break my heart. I'd say, where's your joy? Why are you so sad? Why are you looking down? What's wrong? Oh, I did something I shouldn't have done. Why? Go back, ask God for forgiveness. Ask the people you defended for forgiveness and make it right with God. And then it will be as if that thing never happened. But that's the life of the Christian. How many realize this? When you become a Christian, do all your problems go away? Do you get more problems? Yeah, we do. Why? Because if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. And when I realized that he only made one of you, There never was one before, and there'll never be another one of you after. There's only you. He made you with a purpose, and he made you with a plan. The Reality is, some of us don't come to him till late in life. Some of us came when we were earlier, thank God. But I want you, from this day forward, to start to have the life God wanted you to have all along. Because you are special to him. So, Pastor and the team is going to play a song for us. While they do, I'll come back up and I'll lead you in a prayer. But ask God while they're singing, is there something you want me to change? Is there something you want me to work on? Heavenly Father, I want to start living my life so it becomes pleasing to you it may be difficult and it may be challenging for me to esteem others as more important than myself it may be a challenge for me to die to self and come alive to you but I know that by your Holy Spirit if I give him full and complete authority in my heart he will bring about the changes and they won't hurt And I'll know because friends and family will say, there's something different about you. You don't get angry as much like you used to. You're not in a big rush like you've been before. You seem to have a lot more peace. And I know, Lord God, that when your peace shines through my life, that will be your evidence to me that I am becoming what you created me to become. I'm becoming the man that I should have been years ago, but I will be from now on. I'm becoming the woman that I should have been years ago, but I will be from now on. Remove from me the desire to have things because I really can't take any of them with me. I want what God wants me to have. I want to be who God wants me to be and I wanna do what God wants me to do. If this is your prayer, if this is your choice from understanding the sermon, would you give my God a hand clap like you've never given before? Praise God. And now, As time goes on, your pastor and so many of us will be able to say to you, you're not like you were before. You're different. I love you. God bless you, and good night.